Thank you for joining this sermon podcast from Cornerstone Fellowship in Forest City, North Carolina. We hope that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message. Cornerstone exists to glorify God as we passionately pursue Him and make Him known through worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach. Here's today's message. This morning I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, or read along with us in John chapter 20. John chapter 20, we'll begin reading in verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, that's not, that's a location name we call it. She was from Magdala, so she was a Magdalene. Mary from Magdala came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciples or to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. I will pause there for one second. The other disciple that Jesus loved is the one writing this gospel. He will insert that from time to time. Oh, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. I'm daddy's favorite. In a little bit, he's going to outrun Peter to the grave. He's going to let us know that too. A little fast on my feet. He'll let us know that. And to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. And the two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. So Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple who had first come to the tomb, then also entered, and he saw and believed. He's talking about himself. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes, but Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. And so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white, sitting one at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord. And I do not know where they have laid him. And when she said this, she turned around 
and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Still dealing with a corpse in her mind. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and to your Father. And my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he has said these things to her. Robert Ebling, I didn't know him, but I came across him in some of my reading recently. He said, I told my wife the night before that it was not going to work. He said, I told her that I believe with all of my heart that tomorrow we will incur a catastrophic event. And I tried to convince others, but they would not listen, he said. You see, Robert Ebling was one of the scientists that worked for NASA in 1986. The next morning, the United States of America was set to watch, watch the Challenger spaceship fly away with a school teacher on board, a full audience, dignitaries, her students there, all of that. Some of you are plenty old enough to remember that. He lived with regret most of his life. He said, I felt like it was going to happen. And I even told them why it was going to happen. But he said, I didn't try hard enough. He said, I should have tried harder. And he used to tell his wife over and over, if you read his story, he said, I, I, I even told God that it was his fault. And why was it his fault? He said, because you put a loser on that team, and it was me. I, I, I could have worked harder maybe. Maybe if I'd have just tried harder to have convinced them to not go with it. It's, it's, it's not right. It's too cold. We've got some problems, and, 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 and it's, it, disaster could happen. And he lived with it a long time. In 2006... I, I looked up, that's when he passed away, and they said that in, later in his life he finally found a piece about it, but he lived with regret most of his life. You see, we don't get a lot of do-overs in life. As a matter of fact, we really don't get any. Sometimes we can go back and do the same thing a different way, but you know, and I do too, that there are things in our life, if we could just go back to them and say, ah, oh, do it differently. If, if there's just, maybe, maybe it would be impossible to avoid what happened. I, I don't know, but if I could just, just, just go back to that, that time, I, 
I would do it so differently. And I thought about that this week. I thought about some things that, that I've heard down through the years. People say things like, if I'd just not been messing with the radio that night going down the highway. But I'd just been watching where I was going. This terrible thing wouldn't have happened. Or, or when she called me, I should have gone over there. I knew it. I knew she was stressed. I should have gone. I'd love to have that moment back I've heard things like if only his mom and I had not let him have the car that night I mean no way a human could know better and you can tell yourself that I'm not God there's no way I could have have known I've tried to comfort people before and say well you got to remember that if you had the power to have known ahead of time your son was going to wreck that car, then you would have the power to raise him from the dead now. But you are not God. And, and, and to try to help them to see how limited they were in that situation, making that decision. But it's of little consequence because regret is a powerful, powerful thing. I, I had a chapter in my life like that last November. We all know about it. I thought so many times. What if I just decided not to have gone hunting that day? Or, or, or what if I had just done this or done that? And, and, and again, I even tell myself. <laughs> I even tell myself, well, Mike, if you had the power to know that, you could just give yourself another hand. But you don't know these things. But sometimes the pain of regret, because just a, a simple little thing could have changed everything. Thing. I, I've had others, though, that I think are in a whole different category. Some that would look at me and I believe they're telling the truth. Pastor, I'd swap what happened to me for what happened to you in a heartbeat. These are people who say things like, I would have smashed that bottle in a thousand pieces when they handed it to me years ago and said, here, take a sip. Because I took a sip. It was my first sip. And ever since then, instead of me taking out of that bottle, it's been taken out of me. And I don't know how to stop it. It's ruled my life. It's ruined my life. It's ruined every relationship I've got. It's cost me everything I own. Others might say things like, if I just not slid the key into that hotel room door lock that night and gone in there. I walked out with no self-respect, no family, no wife. My children ashamed of me. I ruined my life. Oh, I've had others say things like, man, just somebody told me years ago, Pastor, take, take one of these. It'll help you sleep. And I've been taking them ever since and I take them more and more and I sleep less and less, but I, now I can't get off of them. And I, I, don't, I don't know what to do about it. We could go on and on with the, the list if we could only reverse those kinds of circumstances. Well, God's the only one that can. And I want to sum up our message today in one sentence. You say, well, good, we, you can do that. We'll head on to Mi Pueblitos. <laughs> I won't let you off that easy. The curse of sin began in a garden and ended in another garden. It started something that, boy, 
humans would have loved to have gone back and redone. I, I, I know we don't have a lot in Scripture about it. We have almost nothing. But you can't help but wonder, what was Adam and Eve thinking the day they found out that their son, the first human born on this planet, grew up and killed his own brother? He killed our other son. How in the world does something like that happen? And then, of course, they could look at each other and, and then that's when the war starts. Well, you, you ate of the fruit. You, you knew. Well, you ate of it too. And, 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 and then we began to cast blame and, and all of that. Adam even did it with God. But they knew what had happened in their life. If I just had not put my hand on that fruit, if I just had not listened to that serpent. And, and the curse of sin was off and running. And, and I can tell you, there are lots of areas in our life that I know a lot of us would love to have a do-over on it. But I can tell you one thing, that you can, you can have a fresh start from. You can actually, let's see, I believe the word in the New Testament, be born again. You can have a fresh start. You can you you get you get a do-over like you've never heard of in your life when it comes to the curse of sin. God is the only one that can, and He is the one that did it for us. I thought about it this week. I, I, I don't know how many years I've been preaching now, or quite a few, but I, I don't know how many sermons I've preached, but I'm just saying. To just think about this this week, I thought, yeah, the curse of sin started in the garden with a woman. And it ended in the garden with a woman. And there were some things that started in the garden of Eden. All things that humanity could go back and redo. We would do them so differently. I bet you have some things in your life too. You'd say, if I could just go back. If I could just go back. Well, you can't go back to that night. But you can be forgiven. And you can be set free. Because God did go back. And He took everything that started in the Garden of Eden because of the curse of sin and ended them all in another garden many years later. I want us to take a look this morning at the garden where life began. Most would think that's Genesis 3, but actually that's where death began. The garden where life begins is when people that loved Jesus Christ, that thought he was dead, all of a sudden encounter a resurrected Lord that has overcome death and hell and the grave and now can offer us his righteousness as a gift of grace so that we can be forgiven of all of those Incidences that came maybe to your mind a few moments ago. Well, I can tell you this. The desperation, number one, has ended. The desperation that started in the Garden of Eden. But Mary, verse 1, was standing outside the tomb. She was weeping. And so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. I, I just want you to know, she's crying because her hope is gone her hope is gone i know jesus man told his disciples so many times time after time that i will die but i will be raised again none of them believed it none of them believed it john's even going to say hey i didn't get it 
None of us got it. He said, I got it when I looked in there and I saw those great clothes lying there. That's when I believed. But until that point, he said, even though the scriptures and our Savior had told us he would rise again, we felt like all of our hopes had been dashed forever. And let me tell you, if you were Mary Magdalene, oh, that would have been so horrible because not only did she love Jesus with all of her heart, but when she met Jesus, she had seven demons in her. She didn't need a friend. She didn't need a good example. She didn't need somebody that could teach her that even when people are mean to you, you can be good to them. And, 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 and she didn't need somebody to teach her through his death that, that, that well, there, there's, it, it all works out somehow in the end. No matter what people do to you, you always be nice to them. And love will triumph over evil. I can tell you, she had all of that. That cheap knockoff faith that people have nowadays that don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. She had it. She had it. I meet people all the time. They don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But oh, they find such good comfort in Him because He was a great teacher. He, he showed us the way. He was a wonderful example. He, he showed us how to stand and look evil in the eye and, and still stand up for what is good. Oh, I tell you, He is so much more than that. And if you want to see how desperate people get when the Savior has not been resurrected, just take a look at The disciples are scattered as well. They're all over the place. Just think about it. That desperation that started in the Garden of Eden so many years ago. The first human being born on the planet grows up to be a murderer. The first argument that we ever have on this earth that's recorded is... Uh, over religion and, 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 and the list goes on and on and we started out, we're only in Genesis chapter 3, we started out so well but it didn't take us long and we had messed everything up. And the world lived in desperation. Well, I'm not as interested today that you give a nice long lesson in world history, but what about your history? Maybe you're sitting here today and you put on a good face. You're like, man, that's me. I've been living in desperation a long time. I, 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 I know about Jesus and I, I know about church and I know about all of that. Yeah, here it is, Easter. And, and I didn't plan today to come back until Christmas. You know, we call those CEOs, Christmas, Easter, only. <laughs> We'd welcome you to come back before then. Because maybe today you figure out, you know, it's not about religion. It's not about going to church and just trying to capture some little thought, some little tidbit, some little cute story, somehow or another. Uh, no, it's about a Savior. It's about someone who died to, so that I could be forgiven of my sins, to give me His righteousness as a gift of grace so that I could be set free from this prison and stop putting my hope in everything else that comes along and put all my hope in Jesus. The desperation. Jesus put an end to it. Secondly, the decay. He put an end to that as well. It says, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb and while it was still dark and saw the stone already 
She said, taken away from the tomb. You know why she came? Mark 16 tells us that she brought spices. She is still dealing with a corpse. And when she sees him, she thinks he's the gardener. And she says, sir, if you would just tell me where you've laid his body. It's all we've got left. It's all we have left. I, 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 I've thought about people that have had loved ones killed in the war. And, and they come... Or they die in the war and, 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 and the family doesn't ever get to see them. And when the remains, it's so important, when the remains come home, if they can just find the remains and bring them home and bury them, there's some closure with that. And she's, she is in that same situation. She's like, we know he's dead. We know he's gone. We know it didn't work out like we was hoping that it would. We understand all of that. But he was our last hope. If you can just tell me where you laid the body. I want so desperately to try to take care of him. There was decay that started in the Garden of Eden as well. Boy, this whole world started coming apart at the seams. We made it to Genesis chapter 6, three chapters later, before God said, man's wickedness has become so great, I'm going to wipe them all off of the face of the earth. This world needs a bath and I'm going to give it one. And I'm going to send a flood and I'm going to destroy it because the world was in desperation. How in the world in six chapters did we go from a garden where everything was so wonderful and walking with God and, and total transparency with each other and all of that and all of a sudden now God is wiping the whole human race off of the face of the earth. Boy, the decay that started then. They're still dealing with the corpse. Maybe you are as well. Maybe you realize, you know, it's not just physical decay. It's spiritual decay too, Pastor. When you're lost, your life doesn't get better. It gets worse. It gets worse. Every day, Genesis 3.19, Jesus, our, our God told Adam and Eve, says, Till you return to the ground, because from of it you were taken for, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And they started turning to dust, not when they died, but right then. Their physical bodies began to decay. And I want to tell you something. Until you meet Jesus Christ, as long as you live in this world without Him as your Savior, you live in a state of decay. Life stinks. You, you, you grow weaker over time, more addicted to this and that. You hate yourself more, it seems like, on a daily basis. You despise your past. You can't seem to get away from it. I, I think about the demoniac in the New Testament and what sin had done to him. Jesus told him to go home to your friends and tell them what great things God has done for you. Who knew he had friends? Who knew he had a home? He lost his home. He lost his dignity. He lost his self-respect. He lost his sanity. He lost everything in this life. He ran around like some raven lunatic fool, angry, cutting himself with stones, hurting himself. 
He didn't seem to be a danger to too many others. They had bound him with chains before, but he would break the chains. There was no way to hold back that hatred inside of him that he had for himself because the demons just aggravated him day and night. And maybe you're sitting here thinking, well, I might not have the kind of demons that he's got, but I've got demons. I've got things that I lay down at night and I close my eyes. It's the first thing I think about. Or i got other things in my life that every time I think about doing something for God or get involved at Cornerstone or somewhere else, that old guilt, that old shame, that old remorse, it just rises right back to the surface and, and it lets me know that you're never going to be able to do anything. Look at your life. You are a mess. I want to tell you, you can find freedom from that if you will put your trust in Jesus. I've had people tell me in so many words, Pastor, my life began to rot years ago. I don't know if there is any hope for me. Well, there is. There is. Thirdly, the discord, the discord has ended. Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I've not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brethren. See what he's calling his disciples? Those are my brothers. I love that. I love being his brother. Man. And he says, I ascend to my father. This is so wonderful though. And your father. And my God and your God. You, you, you see, there were three areas of discord that took place in the Garden of Eden. When sin came in the garden, it first of all separated us from God. God came into the garden that day. Oh, man. Adam, where are you? I hope you don't think God didn't know where he was. He could see him over behind that little box of wood. It's shaking, them little fig leaves drying up. Ooh, I like that leaf for there, Adam. Looking good. When did you start wearing clothes? When did you feel the need to start hiding from me? I heard your voice, God. And I was afraid. When have you ever been afraid of me? Why are you afraid of me? I didn't make you to be afraid of me. I made you to have communion with me. To have a relationship with me. I'm here like I am every day. In the cool of the day. To walk with you. Tell me Adam. What is it that you have done? It also separated them from each other. These fig leaf outfits. They had hid their nakedness. Up until that time. Their relationship was totally transparent there was no shame there was no guilt there was no need to hide from each other you didn't have to wonder what Eve was thinking how cool is that guys could you imagine just living one second in your life not having to wonder what your wife is thinking <laughs> tell me there's no God mine's in the nursery that's why I'm preaching like this. <laughs> oh, total transparency. Another relationship that was broken that day. Adam was separated from God, from Eve. 
also from himself. He was separated from himself. He couldn't even see himself clearly anymore. As a matter of fact, he looked at God and he said, God, that woman that you gave me. Now you got to be brassy to look at God and blame Him for you being where you are. Of course, Adam started it. We keep, have been doing it ever since. We've been doing it ever since. But that woman that you gave me, God, that's how... You blame everybody in the world. When people exaggerate and they say, you blame everybody in the world for your problems. There's no way you could do that because you've not ever met everybody in the world yet. But Adam had. Everybody in the world, he blamed everybody in the world. There wasn't but one, that was Eve. And he blamed God. He blamed everybody for what had gone on in his life because he couldn't see himself anymore. And I meet people all the time. that they, it's, It is almost like that, that I, I don't know how to... How to say it? Sort of like seeing somebody and 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 they they've got a brand new suit on and it's looking sharp till they raise their arm and there's a tag on it they didn't cut off. And you know, boy, they're going to be embarrassed. You almost want to say something to them about it, but man, alive, they they have no clue. They're just they're walking around feeling sporty and and then everybody behind them is giggling. When you lose sight of yourself, you don't understand that. You think if I just had another wife, because the first five just didn't seem to understand me. Oh, I need a different job. I need a new career. If I could just lose ten. I used to say that. If, if I could just, whatever. You don't understand what's going on with you, do you? You've got a problem inside of you. You're, you're like a, a person whose body has been wrecked with cancer and, and you're thinking, if I could just do something about this skin tone. No, it's called chemotherapy. And it's eating your body uh, to, to, to death. It's, your body is decaying. You've got a bigger problem than skin tone. Uh, figuring out how to keep your hair from falling out is not going to solve your issue. And I see people that are lost. They're the worst enemy they have. And they're blaming everybody in the world. And they get up every day looking for somebody to rip into because they don't hate them. The one they really hate is the one they look at every morning in the mirror. They don't realize it. It's everybody else's fault. Well, you stop the desperation. You put it into the decay if you want it. He put an end to the discord. He also, when he was resurrected from the grave, he put an end to the doubts. In verse 18, Mary Magdalene came and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And he has said these things to her. I've seen the Lord, she said. I saw him. It is amazing to me that these disciples heard Jesus. If you look at just Matthew's Gospel alone, 12, 16, 20, and 26, all of those chapters, just in Matthew, He told them, I will rise again. And none of them believed. None of them. When He died on the cross, you don't read anything in the Bible about, oh, they were off waiting somewhere. They had already bought balloons. We're going to have a party when he comes out of that tomb. You just wait. 
No, that's not where they were. Matter of fact, they were considered outlaws. They kind of had to hide in the shadows as well. They had already seen what happened to him. They just knew it was going to happen to them as well. None of them believed that it could happen. And when you go all the way back to Genesis, God told the serpent, He said, I will put hatred that's what some of that discord is. Between your seed and her seed. And all they had, they couldn't figure it all out. As a matter of fact, as soon as Eve had her first child who was king, she says, I've forgotten the man from God. God said my seed would fight against the devil, and here he is. They did not understand it. And even with Jesus looking at his disciples just days before he died and telling them, I'm coming back. I will be raised in three days. None of them believe it. Maybe you're there with them as well. Maybe you're thinking, well, I know there's a God. And obviously, you can look at the world and tell all of that. But it didn't, doesn't get much further than that for you. Because deep down inside, even though you know that He can do all kinds of great things, He's all powerful, He can make galaxies and, and, and just do incredible, mind-blowing things, things that, that we're not even aware of yet. But you really have doubts about whether He can do anything about it. Do you? Really have serious doubts. I, I like the way John writes this. It won't take but a second. And we'll move to our last point. I, I call it the progression of insight. If you look at this passage in the Greek, we won't get too deep in the weeds there. But in verse 5 he says, I saw but I didn't go in. That's the word blepo. That means you just look at something. And then in verse 6, he says, Peter went in and saw, that is, Thero, or Thero, Thero, to look carefully and actually observe. But then in verse 8, he said, I saw and believed, and he uses a third Greek word for see, Eden. And that means to perceive with intelligent comprehension. We started out just looking, then we looked with amazement, and he says, I finally looked in there and realized, wow, Jesus really has risen from the dead. I think one of the reasons that the grave clothes really set it off for John was because we, we understand so little. We think Jesus was wearing a baptismal robe. When Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus prepared his body, his body would have been wrapped tight. It's almost like if you can imagine putting a cast on your arm. They wrap those bodies and they wrap them tight. And then when they put all those perfumes and spices and, 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 and all of those different things to, to preserve that body, in that it becomes like a hard encased sort of deal. And the only way that you could get that off of anybody, you would have had to rip it into shreds. It would look like a pit bull got a hold of a newspaper. It would be torn to bits. John says, when I looked in there, it looked to me like somebody just came out of those clothes. Besides, if somebody was going to steal the body, why would they take the clothes off of it? John said, that's when I got it. 
He really came back from the dead. He really did it. I know today people have doubts about it. A lot of people just flat out don't believe it. I, I won't ever make it easy on you there. I won't ever say, well, you know, maybe this, that, or the other could be, I'm seeing it the wrong way. I, I, I can just tell you, Christianity is the only religion in the world that if you disproved it historically, it'd be the end of it. I think we talked about that recently. If you prove that Buddha never lived, Buddhism could go on because he's not central to it. He's not integral to Buddhism. It's a belief system. A million Hindu gods could die today and never come back or say they really don't exist. But they got two or three more million to take their place. That will have not one bit of effect on Hinduism. But if you could prove that Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, then you and I can go home now. There's no need to sing anymore, praise God anymore. You and I need to get on with our pitiful lives and make the best of it. Christianity is the only faith that, that is like that. Uh, in my reading, I came across a gentleman <coughs> named Jordan, or Joshua, Joshua Swamidas. Joshua Swamidas. wonder where he's from, my beast. So I wonder that name's not on our prayer list from India. He was a medical doctor. He also had a PhD. He was a teacher, assistant professor of laboratory and genomic medicine at Washington University in St. Louis. He said, he wrote an article that I read. He said, I believe in the resurrection. And he said, it's odd in my field that anybody would believe in the resurrection, but I do. He said, when I look at the evidence, I see something that most of my peers do not see. I'll give you one thing he saw. It'll whet your appetite, hopefully, to look deeper. He said, when I read in the Psalms, way back, I think, in Psalm 22, that they pierced his hands and pierced his feet. The doctor said, I realized that crucifixion had not even been invented. There was no such thing when David prophesied that they would pierce his hands and pierce his feet. Uh, he said that crucifixion was invented by the Romans. It was really uh, made popular by the Romans, for lack of a better way of saying it. Made popular by the Romans. They probably got it from the Persians. But even if you go back that far, that's hundreds of years after David is dead and in the grave. But David prophesied, it had to sound weird, but he says when he dies, they will pierce his hands and they will pierce his feet. He said, that's one reason I believe what the Word of God says about the resurrection. Well, I want to move to the last point. We see it. God put an end to the desperation. He put an end to the decay. He can in your life. That slow rot. That third marriage that you already see coming off the rails. Wouldn't you like to stop the rot? He can end the discord. That separation you feel from God. That separation you feel from 
others in your life. Maybe your sin has already alienated your family. I know people that have children that won't even speak to them. I couldn't imagine that. I couldn't imagine it. That would just absolutely crush me. But people's lives can get out of sorts. He ended that discourse. He ended the doubts. And then last of all, he ended death. Oh, we still have to go through that experience where the corruptible, that's this body, takes on an incorruptible body. You know, I'm not all tickled about dying. I can promise you that, but I want to tell you something. The older this body gets, the more corrupted it becomes. It's sort of like having a car. Ten years ago, you wouldn't have thought of trading it in, but Boy, that thing's beginning to smoke and sputter now. I'm standing here in front of you right now, and I have so much arthritis in my back. A lot of it comes from years of just absolutely being an idiot. I got a friend of mine here from Fruitland. We went to Bible college together. I used to pick up the back of his Volkswagen Rabbit. I thought that was just the coolest thing. We'd get a crowd around. I'd bring her up, boy. I bet your back feels it too. His old body's hurt. They decay. I'm missing part of mine now. I'm not wearing my arm today, my shoulder. I'm probably going to have to have surgery on that as well. I had a little more damage than I thought, but that's all right. It, It'll come around, but one of these days, the corruptible body that I have, it will finish decaying in the ground. I'll leave this world, but I will live eternally with God. That, that has been settled. And I want to tell you this morning, there's nothing worse than death. And what I mean by that, it might not be physical death, but, but it might be something in your life that's got you to the point that you feel like there is no hope. As far as this situation is concerned, I'm dead. I have nowhere to turn. I have nowhere to go. I see a lot of people that are still breathing air that are dead. They honestly have lost sight of any substantial reason to get up in their life. They're kind of going through the motions. Deep inside, they hurt so badly. Hurt so deeply, it might be sin and guilt from sin. It might be hurt and pain from someone that they love. I, I don't know what it might be. It might be fear. It could be worry. It could be some physical ailment, whatever it is. But you can get to the point to where you, they might as well be around you. Unplugging all the machines and all the little beeps and stuff dying out. And the doctor coming in and declaring, you've gone. Because as far as life is concerned, it's just not worth living anymore for you. Man, I want to tell you something. There's hope in Jesus. Not coming today and just saying, I believe in God. I bet you already do. But have you ever looked at God? said, God, I want you to be my Savior. 
I've tried I can't. I, I want what you did on the cross to pay for my sorry sinful soul. I want to receive your righteousness today as a gift of grace because mine, the best I can do, is worthless. I want to know you at a different level, God. I want you to be able to look at me and call me your brother. I want a relationship with you. Boy, that would make this easier different than any other. You'd be telling people the rest of your life. Man, for the Easter of 2021, we went to some church over there on Hubble Road. I don't even remember the name. Pastor was this big, tall, good-looking guy. <laughs> See, your memory is fading over time. Don't remember much of it seemed like I was the only one there that day. Everything that came out of his mouth. He talked about decay and death. What else? Oh, discord. I had it all. I thought maybe getting back in church would help, but he didn't talk like that was the answer. From the scriptures themselves, he showed me that what I needed was relationship. Every Easter since things been different. Man, that'd be awesome. I don't care where you are. God can change your life. He can save you. He can save you. Most of our heads. Maybe there's someone right now sitting here and this is the quietest moment you've had all week. Maybe you didn't even realize it, but about halfway through the sermon you quit thinking about whatever that is that haunts you every day, 24-7. It just kind of left your mind for a little bit. God spoke to your heart. If you sit here today realizing now that I need hope. I need for God to change my life. Everything that started in the Garden of Eden still plagues me. But I found out today it doesn't have to. I found out today I can be set free from it. I promise you on the authority of God's Word that if you will cry out to Him right now say, Lord, I want you to save me. Saving me, God. Hoshiana was the word we preached about last week. Save me, God. Just save me, Lord. I don't know what else to say. You don't have to say anything else. It's not about what you say, not with your lips, but what's your heart saying? Are you crying out to Him right now? Father, I come to you and I pray. I pray today, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. God, I pray that, first of all, if there's someone here today that they do not have a relationship with you, 
Maybe they assumed they did. Maybe, Lord, they assume everybody does. But, but God, they've discovered that they know about you. They just don't know you. They've never really trusted in you. I pray, God, right now, you would help that person. Wherever they're sitting, if they're here under the sound of my voice, I pray right now, God, that you would give them the grace and the strength. however they feel we to cry out to you. And ask you, Lord, to save them. Lord, when Satan puts those doubts in their mind, I pray, God, that you would just cast them away. When he tells them you'll never be anything, that the only reason you came here today was to just to learn how bad you are, I pray, God, that you would just take all of that and push it out of their minds, God, and I pray, Father, that you would help them cry out to you. Lord, I pray that you would be with all of us, some of us who do know you as our Savior. God, we have a world around us that is hurting. We have a world around us that is filled with this desperation, desperation and this discord and this death, God. And, and all of these things, Lord, that started so many years ago in the Garden of Eden when humanity Decided they wanted a knowledge, not just to know more, but something that would take your place, God. Something that would make us need you less. Something that would take glory from you, God. Lord, it's been a mess ever since. Help us, God, to shine in this darkness. I beg you. Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to know more about Cornerstone, please visit our website at servantsway.com or email us at office at servantsway.com. Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 1186 Hudlow Road, Forest City, North Carolina. Please join us again next week.